sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back to hour number two of a Friday Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here in this second hour of your Friday. One final hour from us before we send you into your weekend. And again, what a weekend it is going to be in the sports world. Conference final action in both the Association and the National Hockey League. It is game number two of the Eastern Conference Finals in Boston tonight between the Celtics and the Heat. It is game number one of the Western Conference Finals in Hockey Town, USA. Viva Las Vegas, Nevada between the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. The Preakness Stakes, the 148th running of the second leg of the Triple Crown is tomorrow in Baltimore and going on right now in Rochester, the second round of the 2023 PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club. And following day number one, there was a familiar face and name atop the leaderboard that we haven't really seen atop many leaderboards, certainly not on the PGA Tour in the last few years. Bryson DeChambeau, a four under par 66, your round one leader at the 2023 PGA Championship. And again, for the second consecutive major championship, a live golfer, as Bryson now plays his golf on the live golf series, is in contention for a major title. Not just Bryson, but Dustin Johnson there as well. Both of these guys play out on the live golf series a familiar name though sitting in a tie for second following day number one scotty scheffler up there near the top of the leaderboard and scotty entered this tournament at oak hill country club as a co-favorite he alongside john rom a plus 750 price the only two guys on the entire outright odds board that had a triple digit number because the guy that had the third best price Rory McIlroy won over par following his first round at Oak Hill was 13 to 1. So Scotty currently, or at least following yesterday, in a tie for second, but still a short favorite at plus 250. Bryson off in the afternoon, a 2.31 p.m. Eastern time tee time today for his second round at Oak Hill, and he still has the lead michael block three under par today through his 11 holes he currently sits in a tie for second as does justin johnson through six holes today and adam scott the veteran australian that a fellow aussie dubs anderson told you to keep an eye on with a plus money price for a top 40 finish near the top of the leaderboard as well as is Justin Rose. He's at three under. Scotty Scheffler at three under. His second round tee time, 1.25 p.m. Eastern. A strong leaderboard here at the 2023 PGA Championship. We don't see John Rahm near the top at this moment. But again, Rory McIlroy, one over par following his opening round. As I scroll through the leaderboard, trying to find John Rahm, a bad opening Thursday at Oak Hill. A 76 6 over 
par. The story yesterday was the frost delay. It is still very chilly at this time of year in the middle of May in Rochester, New York. So a slow start for Rom. He will try to find his way back to get under par today because the projected cut line at this moment, three over at the 2023 PGA Championship. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after live right here on this Friday, Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Round number two already underway on this Friday at the PGA Championship at Oak Hill Country Club in Rochester, New York. In following round number one and still where the leaderboard stands early on this Friday, Bryson DeChambeau atop every other golfer four under par for Bryson your round one leader he tees off around 2 30 p.m. Eastern time on this Friday we know Oak Hill is a brute a par 70 just keep that in mind not your usual par 72 but Scotty Scheffler a good opening round as well three under par firing a 67 he sits in a tie for second currently a long line a long list of golfers whose names you probably know like Dustin Johnson Justin Rose Adam Scott even Corey Connors near the top of the leaderboard and Scotty Scheffler the very short favorite following the opening round at Oak Hill plus 250 Scheffler one of the co-favorites entering plus 750 already five dollars off that number his other co-favorite who won the green jacket at Augusta in the first major championship of this year John Rahm, six over par in his opening round yesterday. Not the start Rombo was looking for, a 76, and he will need to make up a ton of ground on this Friday. At this moment, the projected cut line for the 2023 PGA Championship to see the weekend in Rochester is at three over par. All right. The PGA Championship, we'll put that to the side. We have the 2023 Preakness Stakes, the 148th running of the second leg of the Triple Crown. We'll break down that race in a very short field, only eight horses as of right now up next. And a reminder, it is game number one of the Western Conference Finals tonight in Las Vegas between the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars in the hunt for a Stanley Cup. Florida an upset last night. The Panthers over the Hurricanes in four overtimes. The sixth longest hockey game ever. Matthew Kachuk gives another upset to Florida. A Preakness preview up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A weekend of championships all around the sports landscape. The conference finals in the NBA. Game number two tonight in Beantown between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. Game number two of the Western Conference Finals last night. We'll have game three in Los Angeles tomorrow. The Western Conference Finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning tonight in Las Vegas. The PGA Championship underway on this Friday for round number two in tomorrow. The 148th running of the Preakness Stakes. The second leg of the Triple Crown in Mage. The Kentucky Derby winner will look for that second leg to continue the chase 
for the Triple Crown this year in 2023. And an update brought to you by our horse guy, actually, Kevin Walsh, just a couple of moments ago. He's been hanging around on the commercial breaks. We've been talking. We've been chatting. We've been chopping it up on a Friday, as you would expect. First mission, a scratch on this Friday from the 2023 Preakness. First mission had the second best odds only behind Mage, the Kentucky Derby winner, who is the favorite at an 8-5 to five number at this moment. First mission has been scratched. Now, only seven horses running tomorrow in the 2023 Preakness. It is a very, very, very small field. Generally, it's about 10 to 14 horses that run the second leg of this triple crown at Pimlico. There is only seven now as first mission has been scratched. How will that short field affect this 2023 Preakness in the 148th running of the second leg of the triple crown? In fact, Mage, the Kentucky Derby winner, who won the Derby at a 15 to 1 consensus number, is the only thoroughbred making the trip from Louisville, Kentucky, and Churchill Downs to Pimlico. The other six horses now did not run in the 2023 Kentucky Derby. So that's where things stand, a very short field. What will it mean tomorrow in Baltimore at Pimlico Racecourse? That is what we will see. And joining us now is a man known as the Ice Cold Exacta. Dave Weaver joins us here on this Friday on the morning after on Sports Grid, a host and analyst for more ways to win on FanDuel TV, the premier sports betting show on FanDuel TV, and of course, a horse racing analyst as well, all across FanDuel TV's coverage. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on this Friday on the morning after. A quick note for everybody watching, Dave Weaver met the morning after gang in Phoenix earlier this right. year at Super Bowl 57 after doing a couple of appearances virtually here on TMA. Dave, it was great to meet you in person a couple of months back in Phoenix. Great to have you here on this Friday. Yeah, I, I would believe me, I'd rather talk football with you, but let's talk horse racing. <laughs> Let's talk horse racing. And Dave, we <laughs> brought the breaking news earlier this morning on a Friday that first mission has been scratched. Now only seven horses running tomorrow in the 148th running of the Preakness Stakes. How will this small field affect the race tomorrow at Pimlico? You, you know, it's just kind of unprecedented that we have such a small field. But the, the, the main thing here is that none of the horses that race in the Kentucky Derby are back to face mage that that's i look back at the charts i went all the way back to 1968 and i couldn't find a year where there was only one horse from the kentucky derby that was in the preakness so this is just really weird that none of the horses that faced him are back so it's all fresh challengers and now we have the main challenger is out so what that means is yeah. he is going to be a very short price favorite to win now both the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Eight to five in the morning line, he's probably going to be more like now somewhere in the one to two range, minus 200 sports betting. Yeah. So, Dave, is there any particular reason you point to why we are seeing this historically short and small field with also a ton of horses that did not run in the Kentucky Derby? I can't really, you know, pinpoint anything. There's really no reason that some of these horses didn't come back, but it just... Uh, something that I can't explain because even if you look at the last, you know, two, three, four, five years or four horses, three horses, five horses, they were in the Kentucky Derby. But this year it's just been a weird one. 
So Mage already the favorite to win the second leg of the Triple Crown after claiming the 2023 Kentucky Derby. Eight to five, the number as of right now, Dave. But like you mentioned, with First Mission, who had the second oh, yeah. best odds now scratched, that number is going to be a ton shorter by the time we get to post tomorrow on a Saturday evening in Baltimore. How does the strategy now change for Mage as the favorite in the Preakness? You know, he's a horse that comes from way, way, way off the pace, typically. But the strategy might have to change that. Look, with first mission, one of the horses that would have been out there to, to set a fast pace, not being in the race, they might have to call somewhat of an audible here and have this horse a little bit closer to the lead than he normally is. He's not going to be 15 lengths back. Let's see what he was in the Derby. He was, he was 13 lengths back in the Kentucky Derby when he won. I would say he's going to be maybe only four or five lengths back in this particular uh, Preakness because you don't want to have a horse that gets loose on the lead. In this case, that could be the one national treasure, <laughs> excuse me, a horse from Bob Baffert. He's won this race seven times already. So he knows how to win this race. That horse has speed from the inside. And with first mission out, you can't allow a horse to get too far in front of you. So, Dave, we showed those odds of who were the challengers to the favorite in Mage as of this morning, but first mission now scratch. National Treasure is going to have the second best price, probably a shorter number than the four to one that horse has at this moment. So you look at a couple of other horses, National Treasure, Blazing Sevens, the rest of this seven horse field behind Mage, Dave, who is the biggest challenger to the Kentucky Derby winner? Well, I don't think anybody's going to beat Mage, but if you're asking me for the ice cold exacta, the horse is blazing sevens and happens to have the saddle towel number seven. Um, he's going to come on and, and rally and, and finish second. I don't like the one who's going to be the second choice in National Treasure. I went back and watched his Santa Anita Derby race and the, the comment in the, in the racing form makes it look like he had all this trouble. He got lacked room and you know what? He was not really traveling that well around the far turn. And there were horses passing him. And as he got passed by some horses, yeah, he lacked room. He got in behind other horses that were going faster than him. So there's kind of some fake trouble line there in the past performances that some people might overreact to. I won't. I think National Treasure won't be in the exacta. So there it is. It's going to be three, seven, mage and blazing sevens for your exacta. So, Dave, Ice Cold Exacta Weaver, are we calling that the official 2023 Preakness Stakes Ice Cold Exacta Mage first, Nash or uh, Blazing Sevens, excuse me, second? That's the Ice Cold Exacta officially? We'll make it official right now. You just made it official. Yep. Boom. I actually, I kind of like the way that you did it, Dave, when you had a little singing tone in your voice to the yeah, you Ice do it the right Cold way. Exacta. Ice That's good cold. stuff. Exacta. Boom. Love it. That's you have great harmony to you there, Dave Weaver. And for a lot of folks, Dave, that maybe watch this show and are used to betting on football or basketball, certainly during this time of the year, maybe some hockey fans out there. What is the strategy to finding that exacta bet for the preakness? Yeah, so when you're looking for an exacta, you know, as, as we said, the winner's going to be somewhere around minus two hundred odds. Some people don't want to play that. Uh, in, in a game so you look to maybe add a few things in a parlay so we're going to probably get closer to five to one or six to one on that exactly so you're looking for the horse that runs second um, mage obviously we think is going to win i like looking for the horses with the same running style so mage is going to be closing late and blazing sevens is going to be closing late so if you you really don't want to use a late running 
horse with a speed horse. So I'm looking for the horses that really run the same way. Hmm. I like the thought there very, very much. The official ice cold exacta coming in first, the Kentucky Derby winner with the second leg of the Triple Crown at the Preakness. That would be Mage and finishing second. It is Blazing Sevens. Apley with the seven bib as well. Dave, thank you so much for your time here on the morning after on this Friday. Enjoy the 148th running of the Preakness Stakes. Will do. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much. Dave, ice cold exacta weaver doing some great work for FanDuel TV as well. More of the morning after up next live right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to a very big Friday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. There is so much to get to in the sports landscape this weekend. Conference finals in the NBA and the NHL, the second round of the PGA Championship, the second major of the year in golf, the second leg of the Triple Crown in 2023, the Preakness Stakes, and of course, we enter a new weekend on the diamond in Major League Baseball. So joining us now with an eye on AI, we love our play on words here. It is Shane Loison, a contributor for Pine Sports, joining us on the morning after. He made his debut performance last Friday when Davis Maddock was gracefully filling in for me here on a Friday and through a six-play Major League Baseball card, a 5-1 record to boot. So Shane, we ask you to have an encore performance on this Friday to set up your second weekend with us here on TMA. Thanks for being here on this Friday. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, trying to get us there again. Certainly so. So, Shane, two surprising teams to start off this Major League Baseball season about a month and a half plus into this MLB campaign in the National League. The Arizona Diamondbacks above 500, as are the Pittsburgh Pirates. They will face off today at PNC Park. And on the bump for Arizona, it is Zach Gallen. Right now, currently the favorite to win the National League's Cy Young Award. So you see the D-backs as a road favorite Shane from the AI perspective has the technology caught up with the fact that both of these teams are performing over expectation this season oh it really has um and you know from the projection for myself I think now that we look at the Diamondbacks they're not as big of a surprise right because you're starting to look and some of them young players are hitting they brought in Gurriel you know they're a scrappy team the Pirates definitely and, and the model since the beginning of the year has actually been on the Pirates a lot uh, but as far as yeah. today, it, it, it's loving the Pirates. I don't always love laying 180 on the road, but like you said, you've got Gallon on the mound. His numbers are incredible over the last two years. Uh, they're slightly inflated. He started off the year against the Padres and the Dodgers on and road starts. Since then, he's recovered. Uh, he faced the Pirates twice last year, 1.38 uh, ERA. Pirates on the other side, you know, they're they're a good story. They're getting some great pitching from Collar. The guys are stepping up, but they got uh, Oviedo on the mound today. He's a 5-plus ERA home and away. Uh, he's really struggling with lefty hitters, which for the Diamondbacks, you got Marte, you got Rojas, Fletcher, Carroll. Uh, I definitely see them being able to jump on him. The D-backs have won uh, their last two series. The Pirates have dropped their last two and had a split with Detroit. So I definitely see uh, Arizona getting out of there with the win today. Arizona right now, six games above 500, a 25-19 and 19 record to start. 
for the D-backs. A 25-19 record for the Toronto Blue Jays, but that puts them in third in a very competitive American League East, where all five teams, Shane, are four games above 500 or better, and that includes, yes, the Baltimore Orioles. It is the Battle of the Birds today in Toronto. How do you preview this divisional duel? Yeah, so I hate to be uh, too obvious here, but the model absolutely loves the over. And uh, it's, it's hard to blame it when you look at who they got going today. You got Gibson and Kikuchi pitching. Uh, Gibson struggled bad with Toronto last year. He had over a 12 ERA. Kikuchi had over an 8 ERA against Baltimore. Uh, I know that's last year. We're a new team, so to look a little more, uh, Gibson has let up four-plus runs in his uh, last three road starts. Kikuchi's let up at least four runs in two out of his last three starts. Uh, the Another thing I like here, too, is the Blue Jays lineup. A lot of the lesser players, right, the Varshows, Kiermeyers, the uh, Jansons, they've had great success against him. So if your bottom of the order is getting on, you know what the top of the order is going to do for Toronto. Uh, and the same thing with Kikuchi. He's really struggling with righties this year, around a 285 average. They're slugging over 500. Baltimore is going to run out some righties. you got Rutschman. You're going to have Mountcastle. You're going to have Hayes. They have the power. So uh, I would be surprised if we don't see a very high-scoring game in this one. Another divisional duel, but between one team that's pretty good and one team that is the worst in Major League Baseball. The Astros host the A's today. We see it represented in the odds. Houston, a minus 250 money line favorite. How wide, Shane, does the model think the gap is between the Strohs and the Athletics? So the model itself really does not think it's that wide compared to what most people would think or what I naturally would think. But what you got going on here is... The A's pitching is just bad. Uh, the guy in the mound today, he has over a 9 ERA on the road. He's getting hit hard by righties. They're over a 350 average. We know the top of the order is loaded with uh, right-handed hitters for Houston. And then as far as lefties, they're not hitting it as higher average, but they're slugging very well against him, and that's Tucker and Alvarez, who are both hitting 300 over lefties. It's not set an upgrade on paper for them to be able to get them out. However, another play here where I think the over is going to be the best play I still think it's worth a sprinkle on, on the money line with the A's because for the Astros pitcher, he's only had three starts. He's let up 18 hits over his last two games. The A's are not terrible. They're a scrappy bunch. They're going to fight till the end. They get on base. You know, he's getting hit hard. Righties are hitting him hard. Lefties are hitting him over 400. So I could see a situation here where the Astros obviously cover the, the run line and 8-6 game. But I definitely like runs to be scored here. And I don't think it's a given that the Astros run away with it. A nine and a half for the total today in Houston. Shane, it might be interesting when you look at the AI model and maybe the numbers are telling you, hey, the gap is not as wide as a minus 250 money line price for Houston. How much does the AI model have to differ from the odds to actually make you say, all right, maybe that money line sprinkle on Oakland? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you'll see normally when you get a matchup like this where it's a minus 250 or something, my model's going to have that team winning at like, over 72, 73% clip, right? Today, they were only around 62%, which is significant. But when you're talking about laying that much on a money line, it's really not. It's really not. Unlike I said, it's not like the Astros have one of their, you know, well-known pitchers who have been in the system six, seven years, playoff games. They got a young guy out there who, if he gets in trouble early, anything could happen. So, yeah, definitely uh, the model could see it happening. And it's the more I looked into it, it made me buy into it. Maybe worth a sprinkle. The implied probability for minus 250, like Shane just mentioned, is north of 70%. Having the model say it's only about 62% today, that's a pretty big gap. Yesterday, Shane, a very short slate on a Thursday in Major League Baseball. Just six games. One of the two games at night 
under the arch in St. Louis. And the Cardinals are starting to play better baseball. The Redbirds knocking off the Dodgers 16-8 to over L.A. St. Louis now has won nine of their last 11 games, Shane, after a very, very uh, slow start to this season. But again today, the Dodgers, a road favorite in St. Louis. Tony Gonsolin, the Catman, on the bump against the cards. What's the breakdown for this matchup in St. Louis? So you said it best, and that's pretty much what the model was picking up on, is the Cardinals are getting hot, they're playing better, but you got Gonsolin on the bump today, and he is picking up right where he left off last year through four starts, a 1.42 ERA this year. A thing I really like is he's had a lot of matchups against the meat of their order, the Goldies, the Arenados, the Contreras, and he's done very well against them. You pretty much know how the Cardinals go, right? Goldschmidt gets on, Arenados hitting homers, Contreras is moving more, and the other guys feed off of that. So if he's going to go up there and sit them down early, I like their chances. And then you got Matt's on the mound. You know, he's he's okay, but a 4-6-4 ERA at home, he's struggling hard with righties. And the thing I'm seeing here is the Dodgers haven't faced many sinker pitchers, which is what you're going to get from Matt's almost half the time he's going to throw the sinker. Just how the schedule's worked out, the Dodgers haven't seen it this year. But if you look back last year, they were the best team in baseball at hitting sinkers. I would expect them to kind of jump on and Mets have a little pride after what happened last night. And, and I'm definitely looking for the Dodgers to bring this one home today. And L.A. bounce back in St. Louis. The Dodgers also playing really good baseball at this moment, despite giving up 16 runs to St. Louis yesterday. A team in the National League West, in fact, in Southern California, anything but good baseball, the San Diego Padres. Now four games below 500, Shane, at 20 and 24, dropping the final two games of their series at home against the Kansas City Royals before embarking on this weekend trip against the Boston Red Sox. So the San Diego Padres, Shane, have very optimistic odds entering this season. Does the AI model expect a resurgence out of San Diego at some point? No, the AI model is going to be on Boston today and also on the under, but uh, definitely getting a one and a half on the run line is huge. I'm also going to go money line with it. We got Paxton going for the Red Sox. The guy was out of baseball for a while. You know, on paper, you would think this is a perfect matchup for San Diego. An older lefty coming out with his second start. But so far this year, the Padres, they're not touching lefties. Soto's under 150, 160 average. Cronenworth can't get on base mm-hmm. against lefties. Bogarts, who was who couldn't get out last year against lefty, he can't get on base. You pretty much got Machado. He's he's in lefties great, not with much power. So I don't think being able to get on base to, to actually make a difference in this one against them. Uh, you got Snell going. Snell has not been great. Snell's also faced Atlanta twice. Uh, he's faced L.A. twice. He's faced the Cubs, who are great against him, lefties. So he's had a tougher. His performances have been better. We actually played him last week against the Dodgers on the under and hit that one. Um, mm. The Red Sox don't hit lefties great. You know, pretty much from Snell, he's running up that four-seamer almost half the time. Red Sox also, they're, they're not hitting the fastball. Devers has been late on it this year. So uh, I could definitely see them sneaking out a lower-scoring game. Do like the under. So, Shane, let's finish with this final game in the final minute of this segment. In San Francisco tonight, the Giants host the Marlins. The reigning NL Cy Young winner is on the bump for the Fish, but it hasn't been a good start to this year for Sandy Alcantara. One in four with a 4-9-1 ERA. How has the shaky start for Sandy, Shane, affected the AI model cap of this game? You know, so that's probably one thing I love about the model is it doesn't care what your name is. It don't care the team name, the player name. To us, we see Alcantara's on the mound. We're like, oh, he has to get it right. He has to fix it, right? 
there's not much reason to believe he's gonna right now. He, you know, he does a great job of mixing his pitches. He throws four different pitches about 25% of the time, keeps you guessing. But his fastball and his changeup have been getting hard, getting hit very hard this year. And that's kind of what the Giants hit best. Uh, the biggest concern with the Giants is their pitcher, uh, Descalfini. He's been hurt. He comes back and, back and forth, but he's very, very tough on right-handers. And with Jazz and Sanchez out for Miami, they're pretty much only rolling righties out there. So I would definitely look for the Giants to be getting it done tonight. Minus 118, San Francisco, a slight home favorite up in the Bay. Shane Loison, thank you so much for your time on this Friday. More the morning after. Up next, live right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Conference final action all around the association as we enter this weekend in the NBA playoffs. Tonight is game number two in the Eastern Conference finals between the Celtics and the Heat in Beantown. Will there be a Boston bounce back in the second game out east? It was game number two last night in Denver between the Lakers and the Nuggets in the Western Conference finals. For all of that, live right here on this Friday on the morning after, we welcome Evan Sideri back to the show the courtside report to set the weekend stage for you for everything you need to know for the conference finals in the nba postseason evan thank you for being here once again this week we appreciate your time on this friday absolutely ben and looking forward to talking about a huge i think swing game last night in denver and obviously of course boston miami game two tonight a big swing game in denver might that be the case for the second game of the eastern conference finals between the seas and the heat this evening but we focus first on the mile high city evan the lakers had an 11 point lead midway through the third quarter they were up by double digits under four minutes remaining in that third quarter before denver started its comeback they win the fourth by eight they win game number two 108 103 the lakers do slightly cover once again by the hook as an underdog in this series so denver a perfect 2-0 at home in the western conference final straight up but 0-2 against the number. Regardless, Evan, Denver holds a 2-0 series lead over the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. What did you learn from that swing game in game number two last night? We finally saw someone else outside of Nikola Jokic put this team on his back, and that was Jamal Murray last night. His best game easily the postseason so far. 37 points. He went off in the fourth quarter, whether it was Anthony Davis guarding him in pick-and-roll situations, Riachimura, LeBron James. He was cooking every single one of them. It was a great performance from Jamal Murray last night. And then Nikola Jokic just ho-hum. Another triple-double tying Wilt Chamberlain for the most in a single postseason run. So this Nuggets offense, when they get clicking like that, they are unstoppable. We've seen it all throughout this postseason so far. But with the way that the Lakers played last night, LeBron having a really bad game, in my opinion. I know he was close to triple-double, but offensively, especially in the fourth quarter, didn't do much. Anthony Davis did not do much at all either. They've still barely lost that game and covered. So I'm actually still in a good spot with the Lakers here. I think it's going to be a, a series where home court holds throughout this series. But overall, I think if you're either side, I know it's a 2-0 hole for Los Angeles, but I think from Los Angeles side of things, you've kind of blown two golden opportunities here, and they have to climb out of it. But I think you're still in a good spot for a long series. It's interesting, Evan, right? No moral victory, certainly not in a conference finals round, but 
The games feel different. L.A. was down by 21 points midway through the third in the opening game. They come all the way back. They make it a single position in the final two minutes of game number one, feeling maybe optimistic about how they would feel entering game number two. But in that second game, Evan, the Lakers had the double-digit lead in the second half and squandered that golden opportunity. But ultimately, should we be all that surprised at the NBA's best home team all year long that has won 42 now of their 49 home games, won both of the home games of this series, and remains perfect at home? I don't ultimately think so. But, Evan, you mentioned... Anthony Davis just 4 of 15 from the floor last night only 18 points yes he had 14 rebounds yes he had four blocks going over in both of those prop categories but when you look at Nikola Jokic for the second straight time in this series the seventh time overall in 13 playoff games for Denver a triple double last night for the Nuggets Evan in your estimation will this remain the key matchup for the rest of the Western Conference Finals Absolutely. You can't have a series where Anthony Davis or excuse me, a game where Anthony Davis doesn't get you 25, 30 plus points in the series game one where he scored 40 and had that kind of game. You're not going to expect that the entire series, but you need a similar aggressive offense production from Anthony Davis to help you out in this series to go toe to toe with the likes of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. Just a loaded offensive array of weapons the Nuggets have. You can't afford bad nights from your superstars and Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So I would definitely lean Anthony Davis being a strong contender to bounce back when the series slips to L.A., but you can't have stinkers like, like last night, and we've seen Anthony Davis kind of have those consistently a little bit throughout the postseason, where one or two games in each series, he's not really been his usual self. Nikola Jokic, a two-time NBA MVP right now, greater than a $3 favorite to be the Western Conference Finals MVP, named after Magic Johnson. But Jamal Murray, now the leading scorer in this series. Evan, you have said it. The Lakers need more, if at all possible, from both AD and LeBron. So who needs to be the best player the rest of the way to help his team to a Western Conference title? I think we need to see a vintage LeBron James performance. And I might be asking a little too much with how LeBron has looked lately. His body, I think, with his foot injury, he's really showing he can't have the same explosiveness on drives that we've seen throughout the postseason. He's usually settling for layups or jumpers. We're not seeing the old LeBron where he can just bully through guys and get fouls and ones on a consistent basis. But you need to see that when this series flips over to Los Angeles because the way LeBron and, and this offense has looked for Los Angeles, they get stuck in the mud sometimes. And you kind of need LeBron and Anthony Davis to bail you out on more than one occasion here. So I think we need to see LeBron put up 25, 30 points in some of these games coming up here. Because if not, I think we're in a spot where this could be a very quick series if the Nuggets steal a game in L.A. Evan, you already mentioned it. Home floor advantage has already been vital. It will remain crucial the rest of this Western Conference Finals. Game number three is tomorrow night for the first time in Los Angeles in this series. And the Lakers booked as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The same spread in favor of L.A. as the home team as Denver had last night for game number two. So, Evan, now that the Nuggets are a minus 450 series outright favorite with a 2 nothing series lead as we head to Southern California, where do you think the momentum is in the Western Conference Finals? I would say momentum is certainly on Denver's side, but I think overall, if you look ahead to game three, if the Lakers go ahead and win that game and cover that five and a half point spread emphatically, let's say they win by 10 plus points, that line is going to shrink down a lot in that situation. It's going to go probably under plus 250, maybe even very a little higher than that. But I think honestly, if the Lakers go out and steal game three and then get that game to two to one in this series, 
I really like the Lakers in this spot. If they can go out and get home court, get go back to Denver in game five, tie the series 2-2, two, 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 I think they're in a good spot here. I, I think I said L.A. in seven to start this series off. They obviously need to steal a game in Denver at some point. But I think if you're in this spot, if you still believe the Los Angeles Lakers, who should have really won the first two games in this series, I think at pl plus 350 on that number, Ben, that's a, if you want to sprinkle a little bit on that, I might be, might be doing that myself as well. Right now, seven games going the duration of the Western Conference Finals. Still the most likely outcome in the total games market. It's plus 180, that favored price. Game number two in the Eastern Conference Finals tonight in Boston between the Celtics and the Heat. Of course, Evan Miami stealing game number one as an eight-point underdog, excuse me, winning outright just two nights ago. We can see what the odds expect for tonight. The Celtics booked as a nine-point favorite. That bounce back is the expectation for Boston this evening. But, Evan, will it be as easy for Boston to even this series as that nine-point point spread would indicate? Yeah, it's interesting because you would think the number should be probably closer to the game three line we just talked about, around five and a half, you would think, for Boston in this game tonight. Just based off how Miami's played, they've been excellent throughout this postseason when Jane Butler goes off. They're actually undefeated 5-0 and when Jane Butler scores 30-plus points in the game so far in the playoffs. So if Jane Butler gets going here, I think this could be a very close game once again tonight. But I forget exactly who tweeted this out, but I saw a number a couple days ago that I think it was the home favorite when they lose game one over the last couple of years. The hit rate of them bouncing back and covering that is over 80%. So I actually do love the Celtics tonight in a huge bounce back spot. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they have really good games. The role players like Malcolm Brogdon should be hitting their open threes more consistently now compared to game one where he didn't do so. So I really like this Celtics team tonight overall to win this by 10 plus points. I still think the Celtics will win this series in five or six. I just think this is overall a much more well-balanced and better team. But like we were talking about before with the Nuggets, I mean, betting against Jimmy Butler right now doesn't feel smart. But, I mean, it's going to be hard to see Jimmy Butler carrying this team for four more games the way he has. But, I mean, I could, I could, I could certainly be wrong about that a week from now if we look back on it. Evan, we've seen that throughout this postseason. When a game one goes to the road underdog, a game two does have that home favorite evening up a series. We saw it with both of these teams. The Celtics lose game number one to Philadelphia last series without Joel Embiid. JoJo added back to the lineup his first game since winning the MVP award. Boston won by 34 points. Miami has taken all three now in their three playoff series. Game one's on the road as an underdog. Against the Bucks. even without Giannis, they lost by double digits. They did cover against the New York Knicks without Jimmy Butler, but the Knicks still even up that series at one game apiece. So you mentioned it. Jimmy Butler now has scored 30 or more points in five games this postseason for Miami. His points prop tonight is right around that mark. 28 and a half what do you expect out of all these four players on your screen Evan the two for Boston the Jays and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and then not just Jimmy for Miami Bam Adebayo as well yeah I think Bam Adebayo immediately pops off out the screen as far as he needs to continue to be aggressive like we saw in game one that really was a huge huge swing of momentum for Miami was Jimmy Butler got help and that hasn't really been a huge consistent theme 
for Miami throughout their incredible postseason run. So if Bam Adebayo can continue to be aggressive, set up offense and help out guys with Junior Butler, I think they're in a really good spot tonight to keep this a close competitive game. But on Boston's side, I really actually like Jalen Brown to have a really big bounce back game tonight. Jason Tam will get his points. He'll get around 28 to 30 points consistently because he gets to the foul line a lot. He shoots a lot of threes. But Jalen Brown, this first game in game one was the first time in his last five games against Miami. He had not scored 25 points. So I think we're due for a big bounce back game for Jalen Brown tonight to hit that over on that number for 24 and a half. He's going to be guarded by Gabe Vincent compared to Jimmy Butler for Jaylen, Jason Tatum. So that's a huge mismatch advantage in favor of Boston. I think we see Jalen Brown be very aggressive tonight, get going offensively. So I think Jalen Brown would be my pick tonight to have a big game. And I'd say overall for who can lead this series in overall point totals, I would still lean towards Jason Tatum. But I did lock in a bet of Jalen Brown to be Eastern Conference Finals MVP at plus 550 on a game last week. So let's see if Jalen Brown's a big game tonight and that odds could swing a little bit. Jalen Brown is averaging exactly 24.6 points per game throughout this postseason for Boston. He only had 22 in game number one, but not far off that mark now of 24 and a half. On the other side for Miami, maybe not names that are household stars, but they continue to find ways to highlight their depth. All four of these players made three three-pointers in game number one. Kyle Lowry, Max Struess, Caleb Martin, and Gabe Vincent. Again, Evan, with Miami back in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in the last four NBA seasons, how do the Heat keep maximizing their talent year after year? Yeah, it goes a huge credit to Eric Spolster and that player development system in Miami. That true quote-unquote heat culture is a real thing because they have eight players on their roster undrafted. That, that's not something you hear of at all in the NBA. You see guys in the NBA, former lottery picks, late first-round picks, early second-round picks. Miami's built their roster around undrafted talent, which is incredible the way Eric Spolster has done that in Miami throughout this throughout this run, throughout his career in Miami. So I think that it's, it's a whole constitution to the Heat culture, how they built it out so far there. But when you look at game one, looking ahead to game two, like you mentioned, those guys hit a lot of threes. I think we're going to see a huge regression tonight in that if you're betting towards Boston. So I would lean towards the unders on them. But overall, it's a kudos to Miami, a kudos to the way they developed that program. The C's right now are down a game. They only have three options to win this series. Miami still has four capabilities. But as you can see on your screen, all of those prices resulting in a Boston series victory and a second consecutive NBA Finals appearance are shorter than that of the Heat. Evan Sideri, as always, thank you very much for your time. Have a great weekend. We round out the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after. Live right here on this Friday. We close out our two hours together here on this Friday. We close out our week together here to send you into a huge weekend across the sports landscape. Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network. That includes the new Sports Grid app as well. The ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download of the Apple 
app store. You can scan the QR code on your screen and in a matter of moments, at your fingertips, all of our information, insight, and data to make you a better sports better. It is smarter to be on sports grid so before we send you into your weekend that tomorrow will feature the 148th running of the preakness stakes and game number three of the western conference finals in the third round moving day a saturday at oak hill for the 2023 pga championship and game number two of the eastern conference finals in the nhl and game number one of the western conference finals in the stanley cup postseason tonight and game number two of the eastern conference finals in the association it is time to, for a best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. I would like for you to examine two things here, if you will. The odds expect bounce Boston to bounce back in a huge way tonight to even the Eastern Conference Final Series against Miami at one game all. The C's are a nine-point favorite if that's going to be the case if we're going to see a Boston blowout like we saw last series when the Celtics lost game number one and responded with a 34 point victory over Philadelphia where they scored less than 90 points maybe you look at the Heat's team total it's 103 and a half game one went well over the closing number of 211 in a hook Miami scored 123 or maybe you look at a live opportunity I think this game is closer than the odds expect, but Boston pulls away late. If the odds are five and a half, six and a half live in the Celtics, that's when you jump in. Have a great weekend. We'll talk on a Monday live on the morning after at 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Stevens. Have a great weekend once again.